You said that weird. <laughs> Verse 54 in chapter 22. Mm -hmm. Crystal clear. <laughs> um, and I figure we'll just go all the way to the end of 23. Cool. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Did that end of 23? I'll, uh, I'll read the rest of 22. Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus to be betrayed and to be rejected and to be crucified. All that our sins might be placed on him on the cross and the full weight and penalty and punishment might be laid on him so that now when you look at us, you see righteousness and you see blamelessness and you see holiness. And so, Lord, as we read about Jesus being betrayed and crucified, I ask, Lord, that we would have both um, sorrow in our hearts over it, that we would uh, see the seriousness of our sin and the punishment it demands, uh, but also that we have joy and thanksgiving and gladness in our hearts because he fully bore in himself on the tree our sins. And so praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Got it? Yep. Cool. And then after, I guess you can read to the end of 22 and then we can just read chunks at a time until we finish it. Sure. Cool. <clears throat> then they arrested Jesus, led him away, and brought him to the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had made a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a slave girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was with him too. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Then a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour still, another insisted, Certainly this man was with him because he too is Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And at that moment, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus under guard began to mock him and beat him. And they blindfolded him and asked him repeatedly, Prophesy, who will hit you? Who hit you? And they also said many other things against him, reviling him. When day came, the council of the elders of the people gathered together both the chief priests and the experts in the law. Then they led Jesus away to their council and said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he answered them, You say that I am. Then they said, Why do we need further testimony? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. 
And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he heard that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he'd heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown in prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. A third time he said to them, Why, what evil have you done? I found him not I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he, he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their man sh demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one, of, one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there they followed him, and there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But Jesus said to them, But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren in the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and into the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what, would they ha what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the school, there they crucified him. And the criminals on his right, and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Then there was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself in us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sin as condemnation? 
and we in, indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The woman who had come with, with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. Okay. Um, we'll start with, we'll do like the sword questions. So what do we learn about God or about Jesus from these verses? Jesus had, uh, you can see the Father's heart, or Jesus' heart from um, what he says on the cross. He says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So even in uh, him getting crucified, he has, he has a heart of mercy. Mm-hmm. I just see restrained power. Mm-hmm. Just all throughout like how easily he could have just wiped them all away like how easily he could have called on God to just remove him from this situation or to kill everyone in his presence that was beating him and mocking him but yet he just took everything he's not quick to anger see his like omniscience but also like foreknowledge knowing in the future mm-hmm. by his interaction with Peter knowing that he's going to betray him or deny him sorry he knew like uh, like the council would not believe if he like admitted to being the Christ he knew their hearts
I think in that you see him like not putting his hope in like a worldly system of justice. He's also like resigned himself to God's plan, willingly. You know, like he understands like it is his place to bear this and endure it, you know, whether it's just or unjust. Whether he thinks like the justice system works separately or whatever. He knows that it's God's going to steer it. It, what, regardless of what was held in these men's hearts before, God's going to use this moment to fulfill the, the prophecy yeah. mm-hmm. and to use Christ to cover our sin. And it was nothing, you know, he was not willing to stand in the way of God's will. He was, he was, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, he wasn't even, like, he was following God's will, but you see his, like, He's so unwilling to, to bend against God's will. Yeah. To the same motion. Uh, which I think is, for me, it, it, it's different than what I usually view like following Jesus and following God as, as looking like. Like being willing to answer his call. Like I'm willing to answer your call, Father. I'm willing. But am I unwilling to go against his will? Right? Like willfully like steering myself away from going against him. Yeah. Like, how often am I doing that? Yeah. Chris and I were talking about this yesterday, like having like your hope set on eternal things. I feel like you see that with Jesus in verse sixty-nine. But he says, "But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God." Mm-hmm. And so he has like this hope in what's coming that is like helping him to endure and press forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like nothing that Jesus did makes sense if it stops with his death. It only makes sense if there's like yeah. something far beyond that. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And like, I don't even know that like hope is the right word to give Jesus Christ, right? Because it's like he has such certainty. Like he knows what's going to happen. Like he knows, he knows that the like the power of the Father. He knows that the kingdom has been promised to him. It's like so for him. I don't know, like. For us, yes, like we have hope in what Christ did because like in like there's a small part of it that just we're not certain, like we didn't witness it. We weren't there. We weren't, it's been witnessed to us, right? But we have hope in what's coming exactly. because the Bible tells mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, so that's what he knows what's coming. So mm-hmm. that's what he's Exactly. Well, yeah, I've, like he's placed his like, he knows like, like, yeah, I'm not trying to say you're wrong. I, like, it's just a, it's a semantics thing. It, it, mm. I'm sorry, I'm digressing. <laughs> <laughs> Getting hung up on linguistics. Can we just, let me see, just the immediate... Um, compassion but also like in Jesus's you know quote his his weakness his strength and his like yeah just immediate compassion in verse 43 turning to the other criminal and he said to him truly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise Hmm. like that criminal deserved death 
like he was rightly being crucified and here Jesus is being crucified alongside two criminals and um yeah just again like seeing that restrained power but also just in that moment that compassion yeah I think what stands out to me to me there is like how ready Jesus was to give that forgiveness, mm-hmm. to extend that forgiveness, that blanket over somebody who is willing to recognize him. You know? Like, because that, that's really all this guy does. He says, what are you doing? This is the Christ. Like, this is the Son of God. Like, he is powerful. He's coming into the kingdom. Jesus, just remember me when you get to your kingdom. Yeah. Like, he's recognizing Christ. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, truly, I tell you, you're going to be there with me. Yeah, it's like you really get a clear view into Jesus' heart in the crucifixion. It's like he's forgiving people to crucify him. He's granting a criminal on his right or on his left to come into his kingdom. And then he's entrusting his spirit into the Father's hands. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. Anything related? Verses 28 to 31 or 23. Yeah, I have those highlighted. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. I don't have a specific question except <laughs> what's going on here. <laughs> and I think the key is verse 31. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? But I'm not sure what that's implying. <laughs> also, yeah, I mean, the key is daughters of Jerusalem. So I think he's predicting things like something bad that will happen to Jerusalem. And I think, also, I mean, I do think this is almost in the context of the Jewish people, right? Because they were the ones crying out, crucify him, crucify him. And so, uh, well, we see uh, Jerusalem get attacked in AD 70, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of see it now. And we will even see it in the end, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I just just wonder, is this, like you said, the AD 70, but is it also... Um, the end. Kind of the end. Because there's another, I don't remember specifically, but there's another passage that, you know, when people are fleeing, they'll say, you know, blessed are those who have no children. Or, you know, or. A couple chapters back. Yeah. yeah. You said that. I, I, like I said, I don't remember the exact wording of it, but essentially it's saying, you know, it is better for those who don't have children, who don't, you know, pregnant mothers or mothers with newborn children, you know, they're going to cry out. Yeah. Hmm. What is the wood is green and what is dry? Well, um, green. This is a, I'll just, I'll share a couple things and then I can talk about the green and dry thing. Um, but in chapter 19, if you guys remember, it's right after the triumphal entry, Jesus says, verse 43, um, or verse 22. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And so I think in a way, he's saying that in a different way here. And he's essentially saying, kind of like what Philip was saying, like, yeah, the days are coming where, like, 
Jerusalem's going to be surrounded, and there's going to be there's going to be fleeing that's going to be happening, and it's going to be extremely sad, especially for those that have children or for nursing infants and stuff. Um, and it's particularly because that they AD seventy came upon them because they rejected Jesus, their Messiah, and then they went after another Messiah in AD seventy, which was a false one. And I think in a similar way, like it will happen again. Um, what's the question about the green and the dry? I think he's just saying, like, I mean, if you think about Jesus' ministry, it's like, he just showed up, he's the king, he's performing miracles, he's doing all these amazing things. That's as, like, green as it could be, like, alive. it's alive, it's perfect, like, that's, like, what you would want for your Messiah, and they rejected him. And so if that's what they did when things were perfect, what are they going to do when it's, like, Rome is crushing in on them, and everything is just kind of, like, in a terrible situation, because, I mean, at that time, they were relatively at peace with Rome. They had this massive temple. Like, in every kind of way, the Jewish people were in a good spot when Jesus showed up for his ministry. But by AD 70, it's like things have gotten really bad. And, uh, and that, quote-unquote, was dry. It just went up in flames. Mm. Mm. Is I was just going to ask, is the, the correlation, the... Um, I guess verse 29 specifically where it starts behold the days are coming when they will say blessed are the barren in the wombs that never bore rest and never nursed is that fair to uh, contextualize that also with verse or chapter 21 verse 23 where he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, the last, the women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, yeah. or there will be great distress. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I think we would say, like, what happened in AD seventy is like a foreshadowing or like a partial fulfillment, partial mm-hmm. fulfillment of what we believe will happen in the, the end in times. The last days. Yeah, like Jerusalem, in some sense, would be like. Mm-hmm. destroy the name in greater capacity. Yeah. Um, and that, this would be fulfilled probably again. Okay. Alright, what do we learn about, we can talk about what we learn about God or Jesus, but what do we learn about people from this? So just kind of another question, I guess. Uh, just in... 22, verse 69, 70, in that area. So they all said, are you the son of God? Are you the son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. Verse 71, then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. But he didn't directly say. He said, oh, you call me... The Son of God. Well, he, did, he does it again in verse 3 of the next chapter. And Pilate asked them, Are you the king of the Jews? Yeah. Answer, you have said so. Yeah. Like, wh- what is. I think it's like a. I don't know. I feel like I've heard a thing about this, but it's almost like a Jewish way of saying, like, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, you said it, so it must be true. Yeah, basically because most of saying. their responses are like, he just said the, he just mm-hmm. said yes. Even though to us, it's like, he's not saying yes. Yeah. But And also, you would expect someone where, like, 
to essentially say like I am definitely not God. Yeah, because they don't want to be guilty of blasphemy. Yeah, and, and he so doesn't deny it. You would expect someone to be like, absolutely not. You're wrong. I don't want the yeah. for the yeah. accusation of blasphemy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think. I I guess I guess in my head I just kind of saw like a cartoonish. Are you the son of God? And oh well, you said so. And if oh, he said it. He's the son of God. You know that like. Overreaction. Right hand of the power of God. Yeah. yeah. So in a way, he is saying. Also, I think there's just like these are not like genuine questions. Something like yeah. Jesus doesn't right interact genuinely with people who aren't asking. Yeah. I mean, because even Herod, like, he doesn't even respond to Herod's question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Herod's expecting a party trick. Yeah, I agree that it's very, it's very odd the way Jesus answers these people. All right, so what do we learn about people from these? Oh, the depth of the depth of like blind hatred mm. that uh, a group of people can have for somebody who means them absolutely no harm. In fact, means them all the good yep. that he could possibly bestow upon them. And shows it in all of his actions that he's performed within the Jewish community. He's been nothing, I mean, nothing but a a healer and a a teacher of how to follow the law. And they're they're so wrapped up in their blind hatred for him that they're they're willing to take, have him crucified, not just punished, but crucified. And... They're willing to have that done, <laughs> and in order to do so, take back in a, a murderous, uh, traitorous, a, a guy who actually is is in insurrectionist against mm-hmm. the temple, right? Yeah. You know the thing, the very thing that they're. I mean, besides the blasphemy, but they're also accusing Christ of like insurrection against the the temple head, mm-hmm. right? And so they're willing to take another guy who is actually doing that. And killing people into their number just so that they can get their hands on on Christ and put them on the cross. Yeah. I think for people we just see such a uh, desire or like such a strong will to prove to ourselves that we are right. Pride. Just pride yeah. Just just like to what degrees we'll go to. Like, I, I saw, like, a comedy sketch of, you know, people, like, looking up, oh, does does COVID cause cancer or whatever? Or the vaccine, does the COVID vaccine cause cancer? And here's a thousand studies that say it doesn't, and here's one study that says it does. And a person goes, ah, oh, I knew it. I knew it caused the cancer, you know? Yeah. It, just the lengths that we'll go to to satisfy our own thoughts and ideas yeah. and how strong-willed we are to prove that that's right. Yeah. I'm reminded a lot of, um, like, uh, like the instance with the, the Pharaoh and Moses, and he sees the signs that Moses shows him, and it's like, and God hardened his heart. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, and it's almost like, it's, an, it's a moment where you know, God could have easily, or Christ could have easily, I mean, changed his people's hearts. 
to just have a moment of realization and the crowd was quieted. Yeah. And they realized they were about to crucify the man who came to save them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I see God's hand in, in being able to, like, change the, the heart of the man, too. And, like, how that, his hand is required in order to move us in the spirit. Yeah. Um, as well. So I just see uh, people, our fear of man and Peter. Um, like we're so scared mm-hmm. of other people that like everything that he knew and believed about Jesus, he like threw out the window for mm-hmm. a period of time. And then but you see the opposite, like the courage of Joseph Arimathea, yeah. who's like willing to go like a leading official mm-hmm. to take this criminal yeah. criminal yeah. so it's like you see both yeah I don't even say like with Peter too it's like he spent three years with Jesus it's like Jesus is right hand man and he still like literally rejects Jesus at the mm-hmm. end mm-hmm. and so I think just like applying it to us it's like no matter how long we've walked with Jesus there's still not like any sin that's just like unquestionable mm-hmm. for us like how how powerful that self preservation instinct is. Yeah. In the heart of man. Yeah. He's also and probably that. scared of death. I mean, he's probably scared that he was gonna mm. be killed, mm-hmm. or like at least like beaten along with Jesus. Totally. So it's like, are we willing to do that mm-hmm. in those circumstances? Yeah. yeah. I just want I just want to jump back real quick. A thought I've never had before, um, but something that you mentioned with Joseph Arimathea were. Just historically, I don't know. Were criminals in that time when they crucified, were they left up there and to be eaten by birds or animals or, like, Jesus being taken into a tomb, was that different than a criminal or were criminals then taken down and just buried or what? what's the Another gospel context? says it was taken down because like they weren't allowed to have dead bodies up on the sabbath or something okay but i don't know about the difference of like what would happen where the criminals would be yeah what what was the criminal's death look like were they just buried in a mass grave or was jesus's burials different to other criminals like this was definitely different he was laid in like in a tomb yeah but it was like yeah I don't know. I used yeah. to know the historical context of that. Yeah. I think we also see fear of man and Pilate. Pilate knew the right thing to do, but he, re- he gave into like the whims of the crowd instead of like standing up for what was right. Yeah. Mm. I feel like Pilate's an interesting character in the Gospels. We see like mm-hmm. a lot of things in him, but then he makes a bad decision at the end. Mm-hmm. Another random thing, verse 12, and Herod and Pilate became friends over this situation. They became friends with each other that very day, for before this, they had an enmity with each other. How did, I'm, I'm confused at that line just in itself. How did they become friends over this? Is it possible it's saying they just had common cause that day? Well, I think Herod, you see it in one of the other Gospels. I think it's Luke, actually. You see it, like, in, maybe the, I don't know if it's earlier, but you can see Herod, like, actually really wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus was just like, go tell that fox what yeah. doing this and this going on. Mm-hmm. And so I think Herod just had, like, a strong desire to see Jesus, and so when Pilate sent him to him, he was just like, 
This is awesome. Yeah. Also, I think there's like deference to Herod's authority. Like, hey, this is a Galilean, like, I'll send you to Herod, right? Yeah. 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 But it's kind of weird, yeah. And Jesus doesn't even give Herod anything he wants. No, he doesn't. Yeah. I have a seemingly unrelated question. Okay. How many places in the Old Testament do you see God call a person to martyrdom and not rescue them to heaven? Because I'm trying to think of one. And I, got, I feel like all of the examples of somebody being called basically into like standing in faith, even though in, in the face of certain death, but it feels like in the Old Testament... Almost every time he swoops in and saves them in some miraculous way. I can only think of one. It's Zechariah. I believe is who it is. He's like put to death. He's one of the prophets. He's put to death, um, like at the altar. And you see Jesus reference it in one of the Gospels. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I've said reference in Hebrews. Yeah, and then in Hebrews it, it references some of the I don't know where the story's at. God's people being like Saul and half and stuff like that. But it's not really talked about or shown. So okay. it almost seems like in every instance in the Old Testament God calls someone to that, he usually delivers them. Yeah. Versus post post Pentecost. Yes. You see a lot of Christians called to that and they're they're delivered in a different kind of way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a massive theological thing, actually. That's cool. How does God relate to his people before and after mm-hmm. the cross? Yeah. I think another thing you see with Peter is like this war between the spirit and flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, the flesh was really strong. Like, yep. the fear. He wasn't ready to let go. And then, but you also see, like, the spirit when he, like, goes out and moves good. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows, like, he made the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, I've never really picked up on that. And so, like, the same with us. Like, we have this war going on mm-hmm. inside of us. And we see that his repentance looks a lot different than uh, Judas's later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright, so what do we... Oh, we're pretty much done. Um, how should we live differently in light of these things? I think for me, I'm just picking up on fear of man a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like taking Jesus' example of like this confidence in the Father and trust in Him up against like what can man do to me um, and making a better choice than mm-hmm. being fearful of man. alongside that just being just an example to follow is just how sure Jesus is in the Father mm-hmm. how confident he is in the Father going along with that it makes me think like well how does he have this confidence obviously he's the son of God he is mm-hmm. God but, like, we have to think back on, like, what we have written about his life. And there's so many times that he, like, spent time in prayer. Mm-hmm. 
like to know the father yeah. so like applying that to us like we want that relationship like mm-hmm. we've got to have that time like jesus did with the father yeah, yeah i mean his brother writes he was betrayed he was praying that's cool man mm-hmm. to run to Jesus for like his mercy his forgiveness his like welcoming heart because I feel like if he was so welcoming so forgiving so gracious in his death like how much more so now that he's resurrected is he going to be alive God just recognized who Jesus really is. He's like the king. I guess kind of because even when he's like getting killed, the guy sees that. Related to that, something that stood out to me, Philip, is you see that with Joseph of Arimathea in verse 51, it describes him as saying he was looking for the kingdom of God. And so like that's something that we can be doing is like looking for the kingdom of God. Yeah, I also think that criminal, you recognize Jesus as his, like he was so, he's in a place of desperation, but he recognized Jesus as his only hope. Like you're my only chance. Mm-hmm. And that's true for all of us. Like Jesus is our only chance. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, Lord. And yeah, God, we just want to say, like, remember us when you come into your kingdom, Lord. Um, yeah, have mercy upon us, Lord. That we have all sinned against you. We've denied you. We've blasphemed you, Lord. Uh, we've sinned, Lord. Uh, our sin led you to the cross, God. And so, yeah, Lord, we just ask for mercy and grace, Lord. Uh, Lord, and we thank you for dying, Lord, for not... Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your heart and mercy, Lord. Even people who are killing you, Lord, you had mercy on them. Even a thief, you had mercy on them. So, uh, yeah, God, I just pray, Lord, this week, Lord, uh, give us boldness to, yeah, live for you, Lord, to love you, God, and to also just uh, run to your mercy, God. Uh, Lord, that, yeah, Lord, you really desire... Uh, to love us, Lord, and to have mercy upon us, God. And so, Lord, help us not to run away from you, but to run to you this week, God. And, yeah, Lord, help us to proclaim, Lord, your your death and your resurrection, God. Help us to really uh, not live for this world, but live for your kingdom, God. In your name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.